Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Hello, today I am so excited to have Kelvin Chin on the show. Kelvin is a stress management management and meditation expert. He is the executive director and founder of the Turning Within Meditation and Overcoming the Fear of Death Foundations. He is an internationally recognized meditation teacher featured in Business Insider, Newsweek, Kaiser Health News, and many more. At age 19, Kelvin learned to meditate, later studying personally with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who taught millions how to meditate effortlessly. Kelvin taught the first meditation courses at West Point and in the U.S. Army in Korea. Since then, he has continued to teach an even simpler technique he calls turning within, making it even easier to learn. Kelvin has shifted his focus away from his corporate career to helping others navigate life's often challenging waters with the goal of improving the quality of life by offering better, more effective ways of thinking about life's difficult issues. Welcome to the program, Calvin. Yes, thank you, Marla. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. I think last time I saw you was at the IONS, IONS convention where I thoroughly enjoyed your, your workshop and your different meditation sessions that you had. So thank you for that. Oh, that's right. In King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Yes, King yeah, of Prussia. I'd never heard yeah. of that place before. Yeah. So let's talk about, I don't even think I said in your intro that, that you're a lawyer. You went to Boston yep. College. Love law that, school, yep. Yeah, law school. Loved that, loved that school. So pretty. So how in the world did you get involved? I know you started meditating at 19. So tell us about your journey. Yeah, so I started meditating when I was 19. And uh, very early on, I was, even before I became a teacher of meditation, I was giving lectures about it because, so I learned transcendental meditation, as you mentioned in the intro, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Yes. Um, I taught uh, for his organization. And back when, in 1970, when I learned, there were very few TM or transcendental meditation teachers in the world. And so there were a handful of people at the time. Within a couple of few years, there were a thousand or a couple thousand or whatever. Eventually, there were 15,000 in the world, worldwide, uh, at, at its peak in the late 70s. But um, so when I first learned, there were not that many people so, uh, teaching. So they, 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 they wanted help. So I was at Dartmouth College and as an undergrad, I learned to meditate. And I was comfortable doing public speaking, obviously, because I was quickly giving talks to 25, 30, 50, 75, 100, 150 people at a time at Dartmouth. And within two years, 600 people had learned to meditate uh, when I was at Dartmouth. Wasn't TM really brought to North America by the Beatles? 
Well, it was brought by Maharishi. It was it was popularized by the Beatles. Yes. Uh, but back to your my spiritual journey in the mid 1970s, that's when I started remembering past life stuff. So in 1977, just spontaneously, I'd never read any books, never seen any movies or anything. I didn't know. I knew intellectually what reincarnation was, but I didn't know much about it at all. And then um, in the mid 1980s, that's when I spontaneously things opened up in me somehow and I started communicating with the other side. So angels, archangels, people who are dead, people who have never been incarnate in a physical form before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I had an NDE, near-death experience, almost drowned when I was 21 years old. So I had already been meditating for two years by the time I had the NDE. So my NDE is unusual, uh, not like a lot of the NDEs that you read about or see on YouTube video, because I'd already been familiar with the other side, in a sense, from meditating, uh, being so comfortable with the expansiveness of my mind and so forth, and the, the experience of light and energy was just normal for me. So I didn't have the oh wow experience that a lot of people have, who have NDEs for the first time, they've never experienced a world of light or a universe or whatever, you know, an air. Mm -hmm of light and so et cetera, et cetera, and incredible expansiveness and an acceptance and all of that. So wow. So you had even gotten that through your meditate yeah, I had already gotten that experience through my meditation, never right. having had an NDE. Interesting. Then I had an NDE almost drowned. Yeah. 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 Well wow. well I know you say that um after you were well it says Kelvin spontaneously began to recall ancient memories from centuries ago one major theme surfaced. No matter how eternal our minds seem to be, we tend to fall into the same recurring patterns of behavior over and over again. So that, that is just so true. And I think all of us <laughs> know that. So I'd like mm. to talk a little bit about, um, about your turning within meditation. And also, I know you've worked with, with children, and I'd like to hear some stories if you have some, sure. and some ideas on how this kind of meditation can help our very young not fall into those, you know, same patterns of behavior over and over again, to just to, to help them. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, the patterns of behavior issue has to do with, um, our emotions underlie our thinking. And so if we look at our emotional pattern, because you think about it, we, you know, we think about stuff, oh, I'm going to pick up a glass of water. That's a thought. You know, we have an emotion about liking water. It's, it's, it's not a thought process. It's we, we have an emotion. We have a feeling about something. They're automatic. They're, they're, they're just kind of part of our default experience, emotions. And, um, and so my experience over the last 6,000 years that I've had these memories uh, of you know, my different lifetimes, 20 to 25 lifetimes or something over that period of time, is that I recognize certain emotional patterns that I've had over those, right. that millennia. And I've worked consciously on them, because that's a choice that I've made, on how to unfold myself more fully without restrictions from some of those emotional patterns. Now, some of, not, some of the emotional patterns are not restrictive, <clears throat> some of them are just how I am. Like I have an emotional, for example, I have an emotional need to understand things. That's part of my wiring. Uh, that's why I love, I'm like a sponge. I'm like an information sponge. I like love learning about a lot of different stuff. 
but that's an emotional need I have. It makes me happy. Um, there are other emotional uh, patterns that I've had, like impatience <laughs> and certain <laughs> things like that, that I've had to work on, you know, because they're very deeply ingrained in my, uh, in, in my emotional system. And therefore, it affects my behavior, my actions and thoughts and so forth. Right. And so I've had to work on that over the millennia. So that's just like two different examples of something that's, you know, maybe good and helpful and one that's maybe, maybe kind of restrictive. Um, so I think we all carry around this stuff with us. Right. And the point is, um, I, I, I suggest that we look at whether we have past life memories or not, it doesn't matter. We can look at our emotional patterns and how can we improve ourselves by looking at various emotional patterns that are more restrictive and constrictive as opposed to the more expansive and, and, and helpful and, uh, you know, emotional patterns. And what can we do to help adjust ourselves within ourselves about those? And so my meditation technique is a way that kind of helps unlock that stuff in a non, it's a non-therapy kind of approach, a non, in other words, a non-content oriented approach. It's a, it's not like thinking positively or something like that. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's unfolding ourselves by turning within, allowing our mind to experience itself in this different way that we happen to be calling meditation but in a way that's not focused, not directed, not manipulating the mind in any particular way, and therefore allowing the mind to expand its conscious capacity for mental experience. And so if we make the technique as easy and effortless as possible, which I give Maharishi credit for being that spiritual revolutionary that he has been, who has changed the thinking about meditation for millennia, uh, in the way that he brought TM to the world, and then I've made it even easier. But um, that is the key, because that's the key to opening ourselves up more fully, more quickly, without constriction. Right. So, um, so that's the key. And um, I think that's, that's one of the keys to unlock the door to our emotional patterns, because if we have anxiety and stress, that's going to keep the door locked. You know, and if we have our mind constricted and contracted and limited, that also keeps the door locked. So to open up and unlock the door, we need to expand our conscious capacity for experience and reduce our anxiety and fears, mm -hmm. which is what I'm doing in all of my work right. now. As you so when, when you're in a session, um, when you're teaching this, because I, I know sometimes when I'm you know, I like to take naps and I actually look at that. I love naps. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. And it's actually my time also to do, you know, just really deep relaxation meditation. And, and sometimes I count, you know, like one, 1,000, two. And so, so, and then people say, you know, you just want to keep your mind clear. And then if you, it goes to a thought, bring it back to nothing. So how, how do you teach it in that sense? What should a person be? Should they be trying to keep their mind completely clear? No. So I, so I teach the opposite of that. Yes. Because, because to try to keep the mind completely clear, any kind, here's a fundamental principle. It, yeah, well, it doesn't work. <laughs> Because, because look, I gave a I gave a lecture once. This is back in the old days in the eighties, uh, when you actually had to be face to face. There was right. no internet. So I gave a lecture once in my living room. I was or somebody's living room. Maybe I went over to somebody's house and they had a bunch of neighbors over, and I was talking about meditation, and I talk about how I taught it, 
And, and in one of the, and I talked about the easy and the effortlessness of it, how you can't focus and control the mind and you can't stop the mind from thinking. And I, and, and it was like a 10 or 11 year old young boy sitting there with the family, one of the families. And he, he raised hands, he interrupted me. He said, yeah, I've tried to do that. He said, I've tried to clear all the thoughts out of my mind. And you know, when I get them all cleared out, I still have the thought. I'm still thinking no thoughts, which is a thought, which is exactly it's like, and I said, yeah, what he said. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's my point. You know, so because because trying here's a fundamental principle of every human mind doesn't matter where we live in the world. You know, I, 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 I teach in 41 countries now. It's just every human mind works the same way. Trying always creates more activity in the localized conscious area of the mind. Mm -hmm. Trying, focus, effort, directing the mind, all of that falls under the umbrella of trying. Trying always creates more activity in the localized area of the mind. If I tell you right now, Marla, do not think of the word hippopotamus. <laughs> Boom, it's too late. You did it. You already thought it. You can't not think it. Now everybody's on the, listening to this going, what's the thing about hippopotamus? Now they're going, why did you No, no, now you can't get out. Now I've infected people. They can't like stop thinking about hippopotamus. Right. It's just, it's just that trying not to try is still trying. And so I, I never tell people to clear their mind. That is a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a misunderstanding. I think I've thought about this, you know, I've been meditating for 50 years, as you said. So, you know, I, I, I've been teaching for 47 years. So I've thought a lot about this. I'm like, like, why, why is there so, are there so many meditation teachers out there still teaching about clearing the mind? And I think there's two reasons. And, and, and one is that, people's minds are so busy and so active, people would love to have a quieter mind. And they think that, oh, my mind is quiet. I like it now. My mind is quiet. But the problem is that's a description of where they want to be. That's not a description of how to get there. I teach people how to get there. Right. You cannot quiet the mind by trying to quiet the mind, like we just said. Mm -hmm. It always creates more activity. You cannot do that. So I get it that that's an objective. That's, that's what people would like, a quieter mind, but you can't do it by quieting the mind. Right. That's the incorrect approach. And so I, I, I distill it down to this one sentence. For millennia, people have taken waking state rules and applied them to meditation. It makes no sense, but it's logical in a sense because they think, well, I'm starting a waking state. What I, I know focus control, so maybe I'll just try to not focus and try, or try to focus in a different way. Well, you know, instead, what I teach in my turning within meditation, I teach meditation rules. So, what are meditation rules? Not focusing, not directing your mind, not controlling the mind, not manipulating the mind, not trying to clear the mind. And so, and, and I teach a technique overlaid on top of that. And what does that do? That allows the mind to let go, get outside the eight-inch plastic bucket. And the side effect of that is the quieter mind or the more relaxed body, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But it's not about quieting, quieting the mind to get there. Right. It doesn't work. Interesting. And, and also something that I think is so valuable because, you know, we had talked in our conversation before that 
some people say you have to do it for 20 minutes or it, yeah. you know it's no good and or an and, hour or people. an hour and yeah. and also in turning within it's two times a day for 10 minutes or something like that yeah. it's just yeah it's doable so, it's doable, doable for people i and, make it so flexible for yeah people. it's just yeah you know i know kelvin i I commend you so much for this. It's just so beautiful that you are giving away actually um, meditation classes for those who are, um, their immune systems are are lower than they should be yeah, and also yeah. compromised. Thank you. And to the elderly yeah, and seniors. yes. Yeah. And, and also something very, very close to my heart are our veterans. And um, yes. so can do you do you have a, a story to tell us about someone that that learned this meditation and how it kind of turned their turn their lives around? Oh yeah. So so one of those folks, yeah. Um, well, somebody who's actually a senior uh, and a veteran and he in, 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 with uh, post-traumatic stress from yes. um, Steve, uh, Steve Kelly, he's actually on my YouTube channel. People should, should, uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel and yeah. just find, find it by Googling my name. But, um, there's a couple of videos on there that, where he spoke about this and I'll give you the short version. Um, uh, first of all, he's a Vietnam war era vet. Um, so you can tell he's an older guy like, like I am. And, uh, but he was in Iraq in the Iraq war, uh, uh, supervising, he was a manager of a, a fleet of oil tank, a jet fuel oil tanker trucks. They're basically bombs on wheels, and so to to, to uh, fuel the um, you know the the jets, the you know the fighter planes and so forth, and the bombers, whatever we had over there in Iraq, um, and so um, helicopters, etc. So he's 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 uh, over in Iraq in 2005, um, and in a truck. Uh, and he, he got uh, blown up by an IED uh, 40 <sighs> feet away from him. And so he has PTSD and brain damage from it and so forth and so on. But he has all kinds of stories, which he shares some on, the, on that YouTube video. But recently, he had, a, he had two strokes, mm -hmm. like less than a month ago. He had two strokes, because what is it, April? Yeah, so about a month ago, March 18th, he had a stroke, two strokes. And they didn't know, he and his wife didn't know he was having strokes at the time. He was just, he was, he, all of a sudden he couldn't understand what she was saying. And, it was, and he said he was just, she was just talking gobbledygook to him in his mind. And uh, <clears throat> they meditated. She, uh, she showed him a picture of me on her, in, on her laptop. And that's what triggered in his mind. Oh, that's what she's trying to say to me. Let's meditate. And so they meditated together. And it, he felt at peace. He, he remembered how to meditate right away because it's so simple, the technique. And he put two and two together when he saw my picture. And he, and he meditated. And then, then he had enough cognitive ability after he meditated to understand that she wanted to take him to the hospital, that there was something wrong. And then they got him to the hospital. That's when he got assessed and so forth, found out he had two strokes. But he gets into some detail about his experience during it. But basically, he felt very, very, very peaceful. He felt like, you know, he doesn't, didn't know if he was going to die or live. Right. But he felt either way, he was okay. So I know you've worked some with children. So yes. how, how do you feel that the meditation, the tools, the skills it gives them to help them 
um, navigate in, you know, in stressful times as they get Yeah, it really, I've taught a lot of kids. And so children, let's define children. So I okay. teach people starting young people around four years old. Yes. And then, so four to nine-ish, nine to ten-ish, depends on, you know, we'll talk about the, with the, each kid and the, and the mom and the dad. But around four to nine, I teach them a technique where they don't do it with their eyes closed. And then around nine or 10, they start doing what we do with our eyes closed. Because when they're young, they're just running around. Or, you know, it's not appropriate. So they, but I give them something and they don't get the same neurophysiologic deep relaxation stuff that happens. But it does balance their left and right and front and back uh, brain waves and so forth. And it also keeps the kids more open. Because when they start going to school, people, kids start shutting down. Exactly. You know, contracting. And so this keeps them a little bit more open. And then when they, they're a little bit older and they're ready, nine, 10 years old, they do the eyes closed thing technique. And, and, uh, but it really helps the kid. I taught my kids, both of them, when they were four years old. Right. And so my son just turned 32 years old yesterday. And my, son, my daughter is 25, as I mentioned. So, uh, and they've been meditating, you know, uh, you know, all this time. And, you know, and, and the thing is, it really helps them manage their stress. That's the thing. And it's with social the social media and, and, and everything, the, the fast pace and the social media uh, pressure. And I have a, actually have a page on my website for young folks. I call it my millennial page because I have so many in the 16 years old to 35 year old age range that come to me because they're so stressed out. Mm -hmm. And I teach them to meditate and it just recalibrates their life. They just like, I can live now. I'm balanced. I, they don't have the pressure. They don't feel the pressure that they had before. So it really is, is, is a simple technique with very, very, very powerful effect. If people want to find you and learn more about, um, you know, your turning within meditation and your books, how would they find you? So the best place probably just go to turningwithin.org, .org. All my, all my uh, websites are ORGs, uh, nonprofits. Uh, or they can just Google my name, KelvinChin.org. That's my more spiritual website. Turning Within is my meditation one. And OvercomingTheFearOfDeath.org, obviously, is about my death and dying work. And my book is available on that website. Or they can just go to Amazon. Uh, the other thing is they can just um, Google my name. And I come, I'm like the first three pages in Google, Kelvin Chin. Right. Um, You're pretty then, easy uh, to find. I'm easy to find. Yeah. I'm hard. <laughs> it's hard to hide. I cannot yeah. hide. Yeah, and no, your YouTube, your YouTube channel YouTube is wonderful. Channel, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And you, you be safe and have a wonderful day. Good. Likewise. Okay. Great to be with you. You Take too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at Interviews with Innocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.